Charlotte Motor Speedway, March of 2018. Third time I've ever worked for Extreme. And this poor guy, he's all amped up and excited and he's nervous as can be. And we were in a nice yellow Ferrari. Well, we get on the second lap at Charlotte and all of a sudden the guy says, I think I'm going to get sick. And I'm going, oh, good. This is going to be good. And he got halfway out the door. The car's still rolling. Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bobby, And I'm Terenji. And we're super excited to have you ride with us as our drivers take us on some adventurous drives around the world. Today's driver is Kyle Lockrow, our first professional NASCAR driver from Maryland. Kyle Lockrow, originally from Maryland, graduated with an associate degree and a bachelor's degree in communications from the College of Southern Maryland and Towson University. He now works full-time in the IT field for a government contractor, races at NASCAR, ARCA, and amateur road race competitions, and is the co-owner of a new motorsports management company. In his free time, he enjoys darts, sim racing, video games, swimming, cornhole, and computers. Kyle shared with us some behind the scenes of professional driving and the NASCAR life, and some crazy driving stories from his personal driving experiences. Here's Kyle. Welcome, Kyle, to Drive With Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Darren G. Bob Dean. Great to meet you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Been looking forward to this for a little while. We're super excited to talk to you. As we were mentioning before we started recording, you're a first race car driver, so super excited to hear your driving experiences. But before we dive into that, let's get to know a little bit about your driving background. I'm currently residing in the Southern Maryland area. It's where I was born and raised. I've had the pleasure and the opportunity to drive all over the country in various places, a little bit of the West Coast, mostly the East Coast, up and down the Eastern Seaboard, a little bit in the Midwest, combination of recreational driving, some performance driving, and then some racing and competition. So I've had a variety of different experiences and then along with some personal and I guess you call it commercial instruction I've done for some organizations. How did you get into professional driving and what has your experience been like so far? I've been a NASCAR fan since I was seven years old. I watched a lot of Cartoon Network flavored cartoons when I was a child. Anything with Hanna-Barbera, Flintstone, Scooby-Doo, Jetsons, those things. When Turner Network sponsored NASCAR cars in the 90s, there's a couple of teams, Diamond Ridge Racing and Melling Racing. That is what really sparked my interest. And then things progressed from there. But I also played a lot of the NASCAR 98 PlayStation 1 games with family friends of mine, the Montag family who actually came to my debut at Kansas about two months ago in ARCA. So that was great to have that come full circle. But really from there, it just bled into a lot more and I was able to move forward. And I haven't come from really any family money, so I've had to do a lot of it on my own, but it's progressed over time. And I've gone down a really awesome path and I'm grateful for it. That's really awesome that you're able to pursue your passion of driving. Do you think that being a professional driver, being a race car driver has made you better off the track when you're personally driving? It's helped in a lot of cases, but sometimes it does have those negative sides to you as well, especially when you come off the racetrack and your adrenaline is still going 100 miles an hour, or if you've had a really rough day and you've gotten into an incident with somebody and your mind's not in the right spot, sometimes you tend to be a little more aggressive or you're just a little heavy on the right pedal. But most times, honestly, it has made me safe because you get the thrill of it out on the racetrack. So really, there's no sense in doing it in the streetcar 
plus the risk of hurting someone else or yourself is just the risk is so high and where we're doing it it's a controlled environment but when you're out there on the street with other drivers you, you could really hurt or kill somebody and that's not something that anybody needs or should have to experience but unfortunately it's a negative side that we have in our life and I want to try to prevent that and help people be better and really teach people to learn how to drive more defensively. What is one thing that you've learned by racing that has been super beneficial when you're driving on the road? Car control is definitely a number one and a must with defensive driving. You always have to assume that that person's going to pull out in front of you. That person is going to blow the light. That person is going to do the absolute most absurd thing that you could anticipate. So you need to always be heads up. I mean, I find myself, especially now I'll come up to an intersection and I'm laying on the brake pedal a bit because I saw somebody lurch forward a little bit, but you never know what they're going to do. You see so many instances where somebody gets hit or something happens. And then especially since my car accident in 2015 with unfortunately being hit by head on by a drunk driver, that really has made me, I don't want to say gun shy, but a little more apprehensive when I get to intersections. Yeah, it's really scary because you never know what someone is going to do. Like, you know that you're a good driver and you're from Maryland too, so you can attest to this. People are crazy and you don't know what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. Like, they're going to come from left, right? You don't know. Nobody likes to follow the rules. I think that's what I've learned in Maryland. Yeah, I tell you what, it, it must be on the driver's test here now, at least in the last few years. It must be to go against every rule on the road or do the opposite of what every street sign tells you. I don't know. It must be in the water, but... It's getting more prominent and I just, I hope I can relate to people and help them just become better drivers. There's just, it, it's amazing how some people get a license. Oh, I agree with you. I feel like when you go to other states, sometimes you're like, why can't we have this back home? <laughs> why can't we have nice things? But honestly, you go to some other states and I've experienced better, worse, or about the same. So it, it really just depends on the area and the state you go to. What would you say is one of the most challenging things that you found when you started in professional driving? I would say it was probably consistency in the race car because you have to do what you're doing lap after lap after lap to be successful. If you can cut one fast lap in a race car, it's great. I mean, it'll put you up front for the start of an event or it'll get you out of trouble when guys decide to pull the pin on the grenade and toss it and everybody wrecks. But over the course of 100, 200, 300 laps, you have to learn to do it over and over and repetition and practice in this sport is such key and consistency. But again, that car control is what helps you because if the car starts to do abnormal things, you have to be prepared how to keep it under control. I get that. Yeah. I feel like you have this benefit of doing this, I guess, advanced driving that can translate into becoming a better driver, both on the track and off the road. I know in the past we've had guests mention how it would be nice if it, in addition to just driver's ed, there was this racetrack course where you could learn, you know, go out on a track and get those extra skills to be a better driver. Do you think that's something that would be beneficial to the everyday driver? Absolutely. I think we need defensive driving. We need to take kids out in the worst weather in a parking lot and teach them how to spin a car out. We need to teach them how to drive it in a controlled slide. They need to learn how to drive in the snow and tires that are bald. I mean, you need to put them in every adverse condition because you get in those conditions on the highway, especially if all of a sudden you hit a freak snowstorm or you hit a afternoon thunderstorm in the middle of summer. When the roads are really, really dry and that water all of a sudden hits it and pulls that moisture out of the surface, you gotta be ready. Even though you might be on the, the, the heaviest vehicle or 
you might have just put new tires on it. New tires aren't going to help you when it hydroplanes to an extent. Driver preparedness is something that needs to happen right out of the gate, in my opinion. I agree with that 100%. Have you ever gotten in a car as a passenger and you're like, oh man, this was not a good idea? Every time I ride with my father. And I <laughs> and I, I say that all sincerely. I mean, I love my father to death, but he is a horrendous driver. He has very terrible skills. I've had friends and other folks that have ridden with him and they're like, what, what is he doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> ask him yourself. I've been trying to figure it out since birth. I was about to ask you think, is it because of age, but you just said you've experienced it since childhood. So never mind. <laughs> no, it's, he has this horrendous habit and I'm sure you can see this. He has this habit when, with the accelerator where he's on off, on off, or with the brake pedal, he'll wait to the last second and just pound the brake pedal. And I remember we were visiting my grandparents in Florida and where they live in a retirement community, there's a lot of, of the circles where you where the intersections and he was hauling the mail through one of these and my uncle piped up and said, Hey Mario Andretti, why don't you slow down, man? You're gonna kill us. First of all, roundabouts are scary in and of themselves. I feel like nobody really knows how they function. <laughs> Or like how to use one, or at least from what I've seen. So that just sounds so scary. You're not wrong. I mean, it's sometimes they're as dangerous as a four-way stop. It's pretty much you get there and it's a game of chicken as who's going to go first because nobody remembers the order of to your left or right or cross or who gets there or it's a race to who got to the stop sign first. So it's, it's just a game of chicken. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where like for four-way stops, if I get there and I see someone else approaching, I'm like, I want to slow down so that it's clear that you got there first <laughs> so that you'll go. Especially if you can see them doing boneheaded things from the other side. It's like, yeah, I'm going to flash my lights. You can gladly go ahead and then you can exactly. run off the road and I'll go past you and I didn't see anything. You know, and you're not involved in that because you're behind them and not in exactly. front of them. <laughs> exactly. Let's dive into your craziest driving experiences. So what would you say is one of your top three craziest driving experiences? Uh, I used to work for what was called the Richard Petty Driving Experience. And for those uh, listeners that do not know, it is the stock car racing experience that you can come as a fan or as a car NASCAR enthusiast. And they put you behind the wheel of an actual NASCAR stock car. And you actually have to drive it just like we do on the track with the same, the standard shift and all the components in the car to an extent, but it's a real life. You have to do it on the racetrack and be experience it just like we would. I've had it where you would sit right seat. There was a lead follow program where a car would be in front of you. But recently with the merger of another company called NASCAR Racing Experience, they merged the programs and they took some of the elements of both of them and put it into one. But the recent one has, they put you in the car and myself as the instructor, I'm on a headset like you and I are now. And I'm coaching you around a racetrack with no way to stop you. And it's, it's a very cool, realistic environment for the fan because it shows them, oh, wow, I get to drive the car. But for us as an instructor, we're just going, oh, this is not going to go well, especially with some drivers. But we were up in Dover, Delaware at the newly renamed Dover Motor Speedway as of the other day. There was a gentleman that we had, I believe it was a gentleman. It wasn't my experience. It was my coworker's experience, but I happened to be standing next to him. And poor Neil, he went through 
the ringer with this person and they were apparently from France and they didn't speak a lick of English. So <laughs> yay. That's kind of how our reaction was when they said, Hey, you got a you got a French driver in here with your eyes. That was how we were. How we how's this language barrier gonna work? So poor meals on the radio. Picture this a a French individual with very little English and a North Carolinian who sounds a southern and laid back like a good old boy from the North Carolina mountains. It was a disaster, and this guy was all over the banking. I mean, Dover's even banked on the straightaways, and this guy's weaving and all over and on the banking. And if you go to the apron at Dover, it's a it's a heck of a transition, and it'll upset the car. And the driver hit it a couple of times, and Neil got to the point he was throwing the radio, he was cursing up and down. They couldn't get the person to come in and stop, and they about ran into a couple of people. And I think Neil was ready for a couple of shots that night after we got done, but he was just it was incredible. And I'm watching this and I'm trying to coach my student who wasn't doing real well. They were struggling because they were nervous. And then poor Neil's got the language barrier and we're like, this is not going to end well. They finally got the person to stop, but it took one of our people to go out there with a flag, a checkered flag to just wave it at the car to get them to finally come in. They didn't think that this language barrier was going to be an issue. Like, oh, you don't speak English. That's okay. Let's put you behind a race car. Like, <laughs> You wouldn't believe the amount of times that happened. Just the fact that, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a business. I understand you don't want to discourage people, but it was just sometimes those situations when you get in those driving experiences, it's just, you wonder what people are thinking as to, and that's when you're going, you know, the dollar is driving that. Decision. I, I would not want to be that other kid who, <laughs> were they on the same track at the same time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it, oh, the gosh. way it works is there's two or three students out there at a time, along with a professional instructor giving rides. And it's a, it's kind of a choreographed in and out and how you work it and coordinate the passing. And we're doing this, honestly, by hand signals and yelling at each other, because the way it works is you're essentially a NASCAR spotter. So the cars will be here down on the racetrack and the spotters are up above a scoring tower or a a suite so they can see the most or entire part of the facility and that's usually where they put us as instructors so we can see the overall so we're up here trying to instruct the pass and the students are on the racetrack doing their experience so it was everybody's in one arena it's not like it's not just one goes out and does one i mean it's a very choreographed process but at the same time it, it gets a little hairy and especially when you add in those barriers it, it can get a little bit exciting let's put it that way exciting is definitely one way to put it i, I don't know that's, if i would call it that but for the sake of your show that's the clean way to put it yeah <laughs> we'll go with that <laughs> what would you say is your second craziest driving experience had to be the guy in new jersey and this was a gentleman who now we all know the stigmatism from New Jersey or the, I guess the stereotype with the GTL gym tan laundry from the Jersey shore. This gentleman was the epitome of that. A big, big old jacked up guy and had his girlfriend with him and he was there to impress her. And this was an exotic car experience. I still work for these folks and I enjoy it, but man, we have some folks. Now, mind you, this guy was probably six two, two something jacked. He could have knocked me into next week. And I'm a little short, five five guy. Anyway, we're in the car, and it's a Porsche, and we're up in Englishtown, New Jersey. Now, it, Englishtown is primarily a drag strip, but there's a little one mile road course 
up there and it's windy old the pavement is beat to snot it's very difficult and it, it does a number on you as an instructor but it does a number on those cars and then if you add in any weather because this experience will run in the rain to an extent because they do have street performance tires on the car so we were driving on a little bit of a wet track up in jersey and there's a little bit of elevation change well this guy got in the car and he was jacked up he was ready to go his girlfriend was over there in the stands watching. I could tell this guy was trying to impress her. All I knew is, is I was getting ready to hang on for a ride. So we go out. He started out okay for about half a lap. And it just progressively got worse as it went on. And he starts romping and stomping on the pedal. He's stomping the brake, driving it, hitting the bumps wrong. And I'm trying to coach him. Well, finally, he came up the hill. And it was an uphill, real sharp turn to the left. And this guy just stepped on it real hard and the car stepped out and I jumped over and yanked the wheel and pulled it and straightened the car out. And like I said, this guy could have knocked the living snot out of me. And I just got in his face and yelled at him. I said, don't ever do that again. And man, that guy got real small real quick, but I could have, I could have gotten beat up real quick in the car, but he almost spun that car out. And we had a few people behind us about 10 car lengths and the guy didn't care. I mean, it was pouring rain. He could have wrecked. That was a $300,000 Porsche. The guy would have torn up. And some of these people drive these things like they don't care. It's like you don't own this car and you can't do that. But they're also, we're in regular three-point harness seatbelts doing this with helmets on. But still, it's like they say, you're safer in a race car with a six or seven-point harness than a containment seat than you are on your highway. So for me, understanding that, I was not going to put up with this shenanigans. And I should have brought the guy in, but I let him finish it out. It's it just It's amazing what people do when there's stuff in the background. I can only imagine just being in that car. Just like, do you hold on for dear life? Do you? <laughs> like, what do you do? You're kind of just you're caught off guard. One, because it's why do you think this is okay? And then two, you, you're always trying to stay two steps ahead of the, of the individual driving. But when you get in those situations and they're throwing you around in the car, I always try to keep my hand with posture right on the wheel just to be ready. Cause I've had a couple of people almost put it into a barrier or a tire wall and I've had to pull the car away and straighten the car out. So we didn't hit it. And it happened to me at Charlotte earlier this year where I had a guy that didn't even know he was going off track cause he was so enamored in tunnel vision with the experience. And the guy was going straight for it coming out of a corner. But this guy just was in his own world and he was trying to impress somebody and his brain wave, I guess, went off or something and he just got really, really stupid and you got to get him out of it. And sometimes you have to shake these people. And sometimes you actually, you got to like kind of hit them in the arm because they just tunnel vision and they tense up and, and blank out. And sometimes you're like, okay, I got to save my life here. Yeah. Kudos to you to getting in cars with uh, crazy strangers <laughs> and teaching them or letting them drive crazy fast cars. <laughs> Yeah, I have friends and family that tell me I'm either really, really courageous or really, really stupid. And we're still trying to decipher which one's which. What would you say is your third craziest driving experience? Charlotte Motor Speedway, March of 2018. Third time I've ever worked for Extreme. This poor guy, it's Sunday afternoon. These events are three or four days event long. You got people in and out of cars all day. Nine times out of 10, I'm in a car for three or four hours at a time. I mean, just continually going in and out of different cars and it's it's a hard weekend i mean these, it's a lot of fun for these people but man you get a workout so it's probably two or three o'clock on sunday we're going to shut down at five or close to it 
And this poor guy, he's all amped up and excited and he's nervous as can be. Well, he decided to go eat a nice big lunch with his family before he decided to come do this. And let's just say we were in a nice yellow Ferrari and I'm instructing him. The guy did a great job. He wasn't erratic or anything like that. Well, we get on the second lap at Charlotte and it's not a big course on the infield. So anybody, a listener, if you watch the NASCAR guys that do the Charlotte Roval, if you go under the Bank of America bridge and there's a sweeping right-hander and then there's a real tight right-hander going down a long straightaway for the back stretch. Well, we come out of that corner going down the back and all of a sudden the guy says, I think I'm going to get sick. And I'm going, oh, good. Here we, this is going to be good. And I said, all right, we'll just try to take a deep breath. Let's get you back to pit road. Well, let's just say the poor guy didn't make it. So he's like, I'm going to get sick. So I said, all right, pull the car over, slow down. He got halfway out the door. The car's still rolling a little bit. And the guy just let it loose all over the door of that car on the inside. So I had to reach over and take my foot and hit the brake pedal to stop the car because we were rolling. But I wanted him to just get out of the car as soon as possible. And when you have incidents with this organization, you have to call it in. And they use flags like we do on a racetrack, a black flag or yellow flag or anything like that. So I called red flag because you have to call red flag if you need people to stop. So I called red flag, red flag. And I didn't really know what to say because, one, I was trying to make sure the guy wasn't completely just passed out because he was pale as could be. And they thought that we wrecked the car. And I just I said, we're stopped over here and uh, car stopped. And I didn't really know what to say. And finally, they're like, well, what what's going on? And I said, I got a guy puking. That's really all I said. What so, else do you say? <laughs> Yeah, it's not like it said, oh, well, we had four wheels off or we spun out or we hit a barrier. It's I have a puker. But they ended up showing the video the next morning in our safety meeting. And I saw the video up there and I just went, oh. And you could see it on the video because they record all this and then they have the experiences where people can buy them and take them home. Well, this guy darted out and you can see him lean out of the car to go do what he's got to do. And I'm sitting there with a face and I just didn't know what to do. But it was, thankfully, he was okay, and it was a good experience. The car was done for the day because it needed to get detailed, but I I didn't know how to respond to that one for a little bit, and I didn't know how to call it in. But again, you you get all kinds when you do this stuff. I mean, in a way, the puking incident is better than a wreck. (laughs) You can get that cleaned up a little easier. (laughs) It's always better to keep the car in one piece and it rolls in the trailer. She's not going to smell great. You know, I don't want anybody near, but thankfully the guy was okay. He just needed some water and needed to go catch his breath and finish getting out whatever he had for lunch. But I told him, I said, probably not a good idea to go eat before you do this. I said, better to go have a big dinner rather than a big lunch and do this. Plus, I mean, those cars beat you around too. Lesson learned for next time. <laughs> Absolutely. So you have been in several places, as you mentioned earlier. How would you describe types of drivers in different areas? It really depends on what area of the country you go to. I mean, there's stereotypes of every place in America or around the world with different drivers. It really just depends. Honestly, typically in Maryland, we've got some yahoos that run lights, run over stuff. I think I was in Chicago a while back earlier this year. I watched somebody run over a sign for the arrow to go to the one side of the median, watch the person drive straight over it and stop and then kept going. So it's just, all right, well, that was intelligent and 
you probably just damage the undercarriage of your car, but that was that was impressive. When you see people doing all these crazy things, do you like cringe while you're driving like, oh, that's going to ruin that or that's going to ruin this? <laughs> or what are you doing to your car? <laughs> a little bit, but it's kind of like watching a horrific car accident. You, you know you shouldn't keep watching and you should turn away, but you just have to keep watching to see how bad the wreck's going to be. It's more of what level of stupid can you take this to? And sometimes it doesn't go high at all. Other times, like in that situation, you peg the meter. Yeah. Sometimes like when I see those kind of people, it's just like, why? <laughs> just how in your right mind did you think that was okay? Now that we heard a little bit about your crazy driving experiences, let's dive into what kind of driver you are. How would you describe yourself as a driver? And would you say that your family and friends agree? I tend to be a pretty safe driver. I try to keep a lot of that stuff on the racetrack. Yeah, I can have a little bit of a lead foot here and there, but I tend to use my signal all the time and try to do the right things and obey all the laws on the highway. I just, I understand it. I've seen the severity of wrecks on a racetrack. And I've also seen with having a grandfather who is a fireman, a father and an uncle who are in law enforcement. I have a brother who's a, fire, a volunteer fireman. I've seen a lot of the horror stories and friends that were in that. I don't want to be another statistic and I don't want to have somebody else be another statistic because of me. I have my moment, but I think I'm a pretty safe driver. I tend to, if anybody watched Everybody Loves Raymond, I tend to use the Frank Barone signal every once in a while, which isn't great, but I think we all do it, especially in Maryland and on the Baltimore Beltway and the DC Beltway. But I think most people would agree, but there's also a couple other people that ride with me that are oh, you're an absolutely dangerous driver. And then I get in the car with them and I kiss the ground when I get out. As you're mentioning the Beltway in Maryland, I don't know if all states have this, but I know in Maryland, I feel like you have to be more aggressive to get into lanes as opposed to like, turn your signal on. Okay, let me in. I've, I feel like if people see your signal, they're going to be like, no, hit the gas and not let you in. At least here, that's what I've noticed. Oh yeah, they'll race you. They'll race you up till the median or till the merge is over and then they'll cut in front of you, take the front of your car off. It's, I mean, I think the, the only thing that, that I haven't seen is somebody do the Lightning McQueen where they barrel rolled the car over and kept going. It, it's probably coming. I, I, I think we're getting close to that. As friendly as the drivers are, I think we're to the point now where you're to the point where you're getting flipped the bird by a kid in a car seat. That's how friendly everybody is on the highway. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You just got to keep your distance and just let them do everything that they want and just stay away from them. But that's what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, even if you try to stay away from them, though, sometimes they still find you. It's like, I thought I left you a couple miles ago. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? Turn signals. Honestly, people that don't use their turn signals drive me nuts. And just courtesy on the highway. I mean, especially when it comes to merging. Everybody's so out for themselves. For the love of Pete, man, when you get to those merges, just one, just alternate one after the other and go in. No, let's all get up there and we're going to have a standoff right where the merge ends. And then it's blowing horns and hand signals and everything else and yelling at each other. And I just want to get to work. Exactly. I think the big, a big thing here is people don't understand the difference between merge and yield. They treat it one and the same. No one waits. Yeah, I agree with you. It's pretty much just step on the gas. And if I take your front bumper with me, then so be it. I know that you said that you are, you're a good driver. You try to obey all the laws. Have you ever been in a situation where you've experienced road rage, whether it's you yourself or you've seen someone else experiencing road rage? Oh, both, both sides of it. I've had my moments where somebody's absolutely just driven me to my wits end and you finally lose it with them because 
you're just looking at them or you roll down the window and go, how stupid can you be? I do have a tendency where I've done this and it's where somebody, the tailgating is bad around here. So what I'll do, especially if I'm on a two lane road and they don't want to do it, I'll slow down to about 20 miles below the speed limit and I'll just go slow. And you either are going around me on the double yellow or you're going to stay there and you can either back off me and we can keep going. It actually tends to work. I mean, they're throwing signals, everything in the rearview mirror at you when you look, but it's like we can go one of two ways with this. Yeah, I don't, I don't take it that extreme. But if I do see someone tailgating, I will slow down. <laughs> I do do that sometimes. Like, oh, okay, fine. I mean, I can go the speed limit. I can go low below. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, but it takes all kinds in this area for sure, especially with the drivers that we've got in the state of Maryland. They're 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 something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're our own breed. <laughs> how would you describe your when you went to get your driver's license, how would you describe your driving test experience and how would you compare that to your first time professional driving experience? I was nervous the Friday I got my license. It was the Friday before my junior year of high school and I had to pass it or I couldn't drive to school on Monday. So I was nervous. I was driving a standard shift truck at the time on my learner's permit and my dad didn't want me and my parents didn't want me to go to the driver's test in a stick just because of the complications and nervous and slipped the clutch or something so we took my dad's little 96 accord and i was fine it never really phased me plus i've gotten a lot of practice but i was nervous just because i knew i had one shot to do this and i couldn't retake it for a week and with maryland at that time so i knew if i didn't pass it i couldn't drive to school one day and i wanted to do that my first well my first race was in 2010 and i got to experience a modified four-cylinder for the first time and i practiced the friday before and it was saturday i honestly didn't get to take the green flag that day for the race because we had a fire in the car before we even took the green so i was in wreck just the car felt good it felt fine in practice but i heard something pop and i'm thinking i wonder what it was i didn't know if maybe it was a backfire or something goofy so i'm sitting on the grid and all of a sudden i start seeing a bunch of smoke coming up from the gearbox and I'm thinking, oh, that's not right. So I called on the radio and I said, guys, we got smoke coming up. My, the car owner, God love this guy. He says, just tap on the gas and clear the carburetor out. It'll work. Okay, so I did that. It got progressively worse. Come to find out it was flames and something caught on fire. And I was screaming, scrambling to get out because I couldn't breathe. And I usually race with my visor up a little bit so it doesn't fog up and I can breathe. And all that started getting in there. And so I didn't get to take the green flag in my first race because of that. And I actually was in the ambulance getting oxygen. Wow. <laughs> what a way to start. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, we could only go uphill from there. So there's been vast improvement. That's one way to look at it. Positive thinking. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of car problems, have you ever experienced any other types of car problems? Or have you ever experienced being in an accident? Been in a few accidents. I was hit head on by a drunk driver in 2015 in North Carolina. Actually, this individual was in a Toyota 4Runner. I was in a Civic. She was sitting back from the intersection in the Outer Banks that wasn't well lit, and she was sitting in my lane facing me. So I actually had nowhere to go, and I couldn't see her, and we collided. And it knocked me back probably about 50, 100 feet with the impact. I was doing probably about 45 miles an hour. Unfortunately, it broke my wrist and I had to recover from that. I never got knocked out and thankfully I was able to get myself out of the car. But I tell you what, that was an experience and because of, there was alcohol involved. They had to reset my wrist and everything. 
and I couldn't take any pain meds for it because I still had to get tested by the local law enforcement. So that was an experience and something I had to come through. And then the other accident was I was dating somebody in 2009 and I was in a Toyota pickup truck and we had just come off of a Valentine's Day date and we're on the way back to her uh, apartment in college. And I got rear-ended by this guy in the middle of <laughs> Sellens Grove, Pennsylvania. And the guy just wasn't paying attention or something. And the wild part about it is they thought the guy was drinking and they thought I had been drunk. I had to take a breathalyzer and this sergeant swore to God I was drunk and that I had alcohol on my breath. The guy was smelling my cologne from the date. Hey, he couldn't decipher the difference between the cologne and the alcohol, I guess, because the stench was similar. I was just dumbfounded. And it was like an hour and a half of this, of it just getting berated by this. And it, it was embarrassing. The fact that he couldn't distinguish alcohol and cologne. <laughs> like, what? Well, I had out-of-state tags. The guy that tagged me was a local, yeah. you could tell. And I had Maryland tags. And... The guy with out-of-state tags is on the losing end because we all know that it's just a stereotype. And I was 19 at the time. I wasn't going to drink alcohol and drive. I'm not that stupid, but unfortunately, I just got caught on the wrong side of it. Thankfully, I was able to get my truck fixed and go home, and I couldn't leave fast enough that weekend. Yeah. Luckily, you didn't end up in anything serious, so it was good to hear that you made it out of these instances. I can see that out-of-state tags tend to get I mean it's easier to see out of state tags for people and as opposed to their state tags so I guess you are more obvious <laughs> now that we heard a little bit about your past and your current driving experience let's dive a little bit into the future of driving with the possibility of self-driving cars becoming a thing what are your thoughts on this and is this something that you would be comfortable getting into no it's not something that I think is a really good benefit. Honestly, I think it takes the driver out of the car and selfishly, it's not something that's going to benefit us because I work in IT and in computers when I'm not racing full time. So I understand that any piece of machinery or IT equipment, there are problems with these types of equipment and they can malfunction. So drivers that become reliant completely on technology are one day going to have that experience. And I don't want them to have that experience, but let's just be realistic. That's the way of life. It's just like any piece of technology. It may need an update. It may have something that corrupts its system or files or coding, whatever the case may be. You can't fully rely on technology. You've got to rely on human instinct with this stuff. And you need to be taught how to parallel park. You need to be taught how to stay off of people, not tailgate. You need to be taught how to properly break a car. There's benefits to it. I understand it, but you, you got to learn those things before you were to get behind the wheel of those things. I think we're starting to cross over that functionality versus ability of the people. We're starting to really take the ability of the people away and it's not going to end well over time. I hope I'm wrong, but I mean, again, it's just with the way people drive and the reliance on technology, it, it may not be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, the preview you get with just the small things that cars have now, like just the minor auto drives that they have now, the amount that people are less like focused on the road. I'm not sure the self-driving <laughs> is a good idea because you need to be able to, like you said, be able to jump in if you need to mm. and stop yourself. Well, the way I look at it is, and there's two ways I look at this. One, you've taken the parallel parking out of a Maryland driver's test. That's not a good thing, especially as close as we live to Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. 
and even Annapolis or places that are more urban based that have that type of parking and very tight confined spaces and you need to be able to navigate yourself through them or risk damaging yourself or getting somebody else hurt or getting into an incident. So you really need to understand how to get yourself in and out of those situations in those parking spaces. And that driving skill is very beneficial. And driving, you need to be a bit of an advanced driver in those instances. And another example of this is you're taking the driver out of the car. It's the equivalent of taking away and limiting the standard shift vehicles that are on the highway now. A lot of people that don't even know if you mention the word manual, standard, stick shift, nobody knows what you're talking about. And everybody thinks, oh, well, I'm driving a stick. I'm I'm using the little sequential shift in the car. No, that, that's not even a quarter of what you're doing. I mean, it's great if you want to buzz down the highway a little bit and you want to paddle shift like a Formula One driver. But I mean, I'm sorry. In my opinion, you need to learn to drive a standard shift. I don't know how many times in my lifetime I have driven folks home that were too drunk to drive or got sick or had an incident or there was an instance where I was in a group of people and the vehicle that we had was a standard shift. And I ended up having to get behind the wheel because I'm the only one that knew how to do it. And my father and grandfather and uncle were insistent. And they said, you and your brother will learn to drive a standard shift. And to be honest with you, I'm very glad that I did. And I'm an advocate for teaching people. Honestly, if I had my way, I would like to start a driving school where you teach driving a standard shift. And honestly, in my opinion, with having to work the shifter and the three pedals, it makes you a more observant and better driver because you have to have that skill set added to your repertoire. Yes. And then, like you mentioned, you can practically drive anything if you know how to drive a standard shift. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. And then also, if you do travel to other countries that don't like automatic cars aren't the main type of car, Mm -hmm. you can easily just drive yourself around as opposed to being reliant on someone else. Exactly. I completely agree. I mean, having that knowledge and ability to drive a standard shift is crucial. And like I said, I I would love to start a driving school and teach people how to do it. I've taught many friends. I've taught significant others how to drive a standard because my everyday driver since I was 16 has been a standard shift. That would be really awesome. We will be your first students. <laughs> we have yet <laughs> to you, learn. <laughs> if you guys would ever like to learn and you are serious, let me know. I can teach both of you how to do it and I, I'd love to do it. it. It's something I enjoy. It's part of the instruction and the teaching I've, I've learned to do. And it, it, I appreciate it because I feel like I'm, I'm helping make people better drivers. And I feel like I'm taking my skill set and putting it to use and making people safer because then hopefully it benefits them down the line. Oh, definitely. Definitely would want to learn. We've been trying to get our brother to teach us for a while, but like, you know, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, nah, nah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just let me know if you're interested. I'd be happy to do it. If you had to give any piece of advice to current drivers or new drivers, what would you say to them? That's a tough question. I would say be ready to be dry, to drive as defensively as you can. Use your head. Don't do anything boneheaded behind the wheel and think before you move because things happen in a split second. Yeah, very good tips. Like we've been saying, like people can do anything so unpredictable. Like you never know what someone's going to do. And defensive driving is super important to learn. Absolutely. Sometimes it can be the difference between life and death. For example, this past weekend we were racing in Sebring and my car owner his girlfriend and one of her best friends, one of our other co-drivers, his wife were coming from Ormond Beach where they reside to come down to help out and watch the race. 
and they were driving another support vehicle down to the track and they were on a two lane road, maybe five miles from the track in Sebring. And there was a gentleman that was coming straight at them. And thankfully Monique had great car skills and she just gradually moved the car to the side to straddle a yellow or white line on the shoulder. Thankfully that person buzzed by them and it happened in a split second. And they just looked at each other and went, did that guy really just do that? They thankfully were able to have their lives saved, but again, split second and something could have happened and they could have been gone. Bonus question time. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Ooh, I have power. This is dangerous. Oh, my manager's shaking her head in the background. Like, yeah, this is not going to end well. (laughs) We're going to get fined by NASCAR. This may not go well. If I had to do one law, I would say you have to take driver's ed in high school. I would reinstitute that. And there would be a course where you would have to at least learn to drive a standard shift along with the driving, regardless of whether where you use it or regardless of if you're going to do it. I feel like you have to at least do it and understand the concepts. And I think that including defensive driving, I think it should be a year long course, your sophomore and junior year high school. Oh, I agree with that. I feel like drivers that at least when we took it here in Maryland, I feel like it's not very helpful. I feel like it was more like, oh, you just go through the motion and then just go take your test. I didn't really learn anything from it. It, I've heard mixed reviews. I was lucky. I went through the College of Southern Maryland for driver's ed, and I felt like my instructor, Mike, was great. And the gentleman that I had that took me out on the, the road test was great that I had all four times. He's just very laid back gentleman. I could tell he trusted me. And he could tell I wasn't a complete bonehead, so that made me feel good. But yeah, I think it honestly depends on where you go and who's dedicated, who's not, who's willing to just take your money to put your kid in a car. So really, I think it's the parent's job to do the research. And when it comes to safety, like anything else, don't skimp or don't cheap out on quality instruction for your kids. Yeah. And like you said, it is actually life or death situation. If you don't know how to drive properly, it could end dangerously, not just for yourself, but others on the road. Absolutely. And it's, it's important. I mean, it really can. I mean, these things are great. They can get you from A to B. They can get you to a a lavish vacation. They can get you to the 7-Eleven to get you a drink and a Red Bull to go home and play video games or something. But at the same time, I mean, it can also, how many stories have you heard that somebody wakes up to go to work and next thing you know, they didn't even make it because they got struck in an intersection or somebody hit them head on coming out of their neighborhood or something. It's just, it's, It's the good and the bad. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was really fun talking to you. Before we let you go, where can our listeners find you? If anybody would like to find me, you can visit me on my website at www.kylelockrow.com. You can find me on Facebook with Kyle Lockrow Racing. I have an Instagram page at Kyle underscore Lockrow. I've got a LinkedIn page. If you just type in Kyle Lockrow, where Taryn G found me, you can go there and reach out and uh, talk to my business manager, Tanya Banning. She handles all of my day-to-day operations with the racing and keeps me out of trouble. And you can also uh, find me on YouTube with Lockrow Racing. You can see footage and interviews of other events that we've done. But if anybody's interested in sponsorship opportunities or partnership opportunities, you can go to my website, reach out. We'd love to talk to you. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and wish you the best of luck with your racing in 2022. Thank you so much, Taryn Jeet and Bob Nee. Thank you so much for 
allowing me to come on and uh, tell some great stories. I've enjoyed it and I'll definitely stay in touch and we'll keep you posted. And if you'd like at some point, we'll have to uh, get you out to a race sometime and you can see it. I think our goal this year, if we can make Richmond or Pocono or one of those, it's not too far uh maybe some pit passes on the way and you guys can see it right up close. That sounds really fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I learned quite a bit about NASCAR and professional driving just from talking with Kyle and it was so easy to talk to him. I felt like we could have, I had so many more questions, but I'm like, I don't want to take too much of his time. And he had so much knowledge to share. He brought up some really good points, like how beneficial it is to learn to drive manual and also like taking advanced driving courses. I feel like even if you don't plan on, like he said, if even if you don't plan on driving manual after the fact of learning it, it's, it's like a great skill to have just to know how to do it, just in case, because you never know. Yeah, like he said, he's had so many situations where he had to drive because nobody knew how to drive the manual car. It's such an important skill and it's on our to-do list. Have you ever taken advanced driving classes or learned how to drive stick? Message us on Instagram at drivewithuspodcast and let us know. We're curious to hear your experiences. And we hope you enjoyed listening to Kyle's driving stories. Be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode with Joseph Fair, a former police officer turned commercial truck driver turned firefighter turned writer. He shed light on the behind the scenes of working in each of those fields. And he also shared some crazy driving stories related to those different careers, like the struggles of driving a gasoline tanker and flying off a motorcycle. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review on Podchaser. It truly does help us get discovered. Thanks for choosing to drive with us and we'll see you all next week. I found my trailer and was heading out of Chicago going about 25 miles an hour behind a pickup truck with a speedboat and i'm looking down on it i see cooler and life jackets when we got going a little faster the wind blew the inner tube out of the boat and it came back and slammed into the front of the tractor which made a really ugly noise